0: You're listening to For The Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty.
1: to you on the 17th of December this is going to be our final episode of the year and of course we are going to wrap up the the year by talking about this year we're not going to do like a VGA's thing where we're talking in terms of categories and things like that we've done that in the past and it's been fun and all that but it's I find it's a lot more relaxing to just kind of sit back and look at the highlights the the lows some shit that we're still undecided about and 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 such and talk about what we experienced this year looking at it certain amount of months later kind of thing, because we do get excited about games and that's part of the fun of doing a games podcast is you, you allow yourself to get worked up and excited for something. And we all need things to be excited in for life. So it's, it's fun. And then when you get the title, sometimes that, that kind of hangs on and, and, the title is well deserving of that Spider-Man being the classic example for me right now for the year. But then there are other titles where you're seriously disappointed when you look back at it. Maybe there were a few things that were awesome initially, but then you look back and it's like, yeah, not really so much. So let's start off with the, what I think is, or was, I should say, or has been the highlight of the year. And that is in fact, I think still, again, a continuation of last year. And that's the switch. The switch has continued its forward force going forward, and is like it has already broken the records for the uh, the Wii, and it's when they put it in that context that you kind of sit back and appreciate just how fucking successful this console has been. And that says a lot. And I know that I still play mine all the time. I have slowed down since Pokemon. Now I'm kind of working on some other titles on other consoles. But I'm still playing it all the time. And it has been that that console that I am actually most excited for when new game announcements are made. Because if it is coming to there and I'm planning on picking up, as long as it's it's well done for the Switch, which most of them now are, it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me now.
2: I actually play my Switch more than anything else in the house, including my gaming PC. Like, it, it is such, like, it's a nightly staple for me, especially now that Smash is out. I love playing Smash, and it's I've been dying for a social game with friends on it, and Smash is that for me. Like, we set up arenas every night. And we like just go ham on each other, and it's a lot of fun. And we like pop back some beers and sit on Discord and just talk to each other, and it's just a good time. And then on top of that, I'm still going. I'm going through another new playthrough of Breath of the Wild because it's so fucking good. I still am popping into Mario Odyssey because there's still so many, so many things that I have not found in that game, and they keep they just added a little bit more. Like it's so so much glorious stuff. And like you, I'm so excited because. These are not only are the new games that are coming out fantastic for it, but we're seeing a rebirth of franchises in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. Like Breath of the Wild probably saved the Zelda franchise. And I'm not saying that lightly because Skyward Sword, while it was good, I don't know many people that actually played it because they didn't want to use fucking motion controls. So, yeah. And it's a great game. And I hope, and I hope, I pray to To the gods of Nintendo, that they make a remaster that for the Switch that doesn't have motion controls or gives the option to ignore them. But like until that until Breath of the Wild came out, I I was actually legitimately afraid that Zelda was just going to go the wayside. But like now that's back. Mario's back in a way that it hasn't been in a very long time. Like this is good. Nintendo's in a good place. Super excited to see what twenty nineteen holds for them
0: so the constant debate that we have on the show or should i say the constant ribbing that happens on the show is ps4 versus switch for me and uh now they just announced a netflix style comic subscription but it's from lower key um publishers like yes i do read a lot of marvel and like that's where my heart lives but For all comics considered, I want an easier, faster way to find titles that are not typically found either in my local comic book store or, you know, they're just not in the big two that combined with uh, Pokemon Let's Go um, backwards compatibility with older games that I would just like to play again. Like, I want to play Spider-Man more than anything like in the world other than maybe non-existent Daredevil game more than Solaris, more than so. When we talk about <laughs> Stellaris, I will talk about why
3: this game is the bane of my existence. Hey, Marty, did you know they're working on a PS4 version
0: of Stellaris? That's that's the worst idea of all time. Like, <laughs> I think you're... One, I don't think you're telling... I think you're lying to me. No,
3: that is 100% true. What? Oh, my!
0: Why? like, why? It's, uh, anyway, but, like, the Switch fits, like, would be, like... Look... Uh, a comic book subscription service games from my youth that i could use to get my niece and nephew into career paths that i could leech off of them when i'm old like these are things that just scream i need to buy a switch
1: i actually downloaded that uh it's called um Inky Pen, and the subscription service i i actually put it posted in the discord i I thought maybe it might allow you to import some CBRs in so that you can use it as a reader as well, but clearly not. Um, and you have to you have to sub to actually see anything. It's part of the, you create your account, you sub immediately. So I didn't do it yet, but I, I intend not to. I'll try it for a month. I Of course, I would love it if the big two were in it as well. And I might not use it for very long if I find that there's not enough. But they've got a number of other publishers as well, including. Did I read correctly that even Dark Horse is going to be yep. on there?
0: Yep, Dark Horse, yeah. and IDW, which does your favorite crossovers.
1: Yeah, so there's there's a reason to t- to try it out. Put it that way. I still prefer reading comics on my iPad because of the the surface area is clearly bigger. You can view the entirety of the page, so it it lends itself better to appreciating the beauty of the art on the page as it's meant to be seen, but. I mean, we'll see how this this works out. I, I'm, I've been wanting a service like this as well, which I mean will lead us right into the Game Pass after. But it's that kind of thing of just a Nintendo, or a Netflix style service where you can, you can, in this case, read as many comic books as you want, kind of thing. And for people who are just looking to read comics. And it doesn't matter if it's from the big two. Like, honestly, for me, if there's enough to read, I'm all right with it not being from the big two and enjoying what else for the amount that I'm reading right now, which is super minimal. That's cool with me. So, like, I did not know this was coming, and it's just yet another thing for the Switch where I'm like, yep, (laughs) another reason to buy this fucking thing.
3: I think what the Switch has been so great about this year is it's finally great to see Nintendo be Nintendo again. They've always been the most wildly creative of the major companies. And, And unfortunately, the technology that they've been implementing has not always been up to the standards of their creativity. Like Not since probably the GameCube, I think, have they really been enmeshed like that. And of course, GameCube gave us some fantastic games. So seeing with the Switch, finally they have a good piece of tech that they can work with and do Nintendo things with because let's be honest, Nintendo just does stuff that no other company does. They think in a completely different way. No, lab and <laughs> It's It's turning out so successfully for them and I'm very happy that they're still going to keep doing their thing and being successful with it.
1: Yeah. And then moving on to the Xbox Game Pass, this has been, for at least me, a highlight as well, because it is that service, subscription service that I talked about. And it's not like it's the first one to do that kind of thing. Sony's got their own service as well, but it tends to be quite a few older games. And it's not the same as this, where we're getting so many new games all the time, too. I've been joking around how every time I look, there's... A new game and it was funny because for a few days I was checking and there was no new game. And I thought, well, now I'm getting pissed off. And it was just funny because (laughs) it was nothing. What the fuck is happening here? You're dropping the ball, goddammit. And then the next time I look, there was three fucking new games. (laughs) Yeah. So it's again, it's 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 a fantastic service that I am so happy is there.
0: I got so I installed the uh, Xbox Game Pass app on my phone, turned on notifications because like I don't like didn't even think of turning them off. And the minute *Suyuna Sacrifice dropped, oh, hell, hell, excuse me, Hellblade dropped. I just downloaded it from my phone onto my Xbox One. Whoa, whoa um, when did that drop? Today. Case <laughs> in point, yeah. something <laughs> else for me to download. So Ashen, $40. Uh What? Like uh, Mutant Year Zero, about 40, 50 bucks. That's Savage um, Brigade when you wanted to try. Savage Brigade. So we, that right there, that's $120 um, worth of games that you just download, that you have. Uh, it is an amazing value. Uh, it's it. I don't feel bad paying whatever I pay a month for it because I get the shit and I've already paid, it's already taken up half of the value of the the subscription service that I've gotten for the year. No, for two years. So one year's done and I've had it for what? Three months, four months. Yeah. It's insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's not much more to say about it. I I know I've brought it up often too. And it's, it was just to say again, for me, it really was uh, a highlight because it was so fucking, not just useful, but, Kind of changes the way, like I mentioned before, that I'm playing a game where if it's not the greatest, I don't fucking care. Whatever. I don't feel like I wasted. That's actually gonna lead me to one of the ones where I was kind of undecided, and I and I'm still undecided, and that is actually Mutant Year Zero. Because I was super fucking hyped for it. And there's elements of it that I really like. There's elements of it that are slick as hell. I like the story when you do get elements of it. Um, I like the the combat while painful, like, holy fucking hell, they do not like their players. It is painful. And you really are forced into some fights because you can't level up. So uh, there's aspects that I love, but then other aspects that it's like, do I really need to drop this to the easiest mode just to get by because I can't. I can't separate scragglers from the pack easily enough always unless I, I've literally just fallen forever and then there's there's no respawns so that you can level your characters up it's 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 a weird leveling scale and it's kind of there's elements of the design that I'm not crazy about which is too bad because the other elements are fucking awesome I love the RPG elements. I love the the what you can equip, how you can level up your weapons and things like that, put scopes on them or different things, how you're locating different things in the wild, like boom boxes or whatever, that you trade in to get perks of different kinds. Uh, I like the elements where you're talking to the Elder at the Ark and you're getting brief history lessons kind of thing. I don't like the... I don't like the graphics overall. Yeah, I shouldn't say overall. Like, if you're if you're running, kind of running through areas, map areas, it's not bad. Uh, there's certain elements that look actually pretty good, but then there's other elements that look like it would have been created decades ago. Like, it just looks horrible. And the facial animations while um, humanoids are speaking is a joke. Like, it's... Quite literally the cheapest form of animations you can get, like where they dislocate the jaw and just move the jaw up and down kind of thing. It's horrible. So there's great things about it, but then there's horrible things. And then the worst thing of all that they said they're working on, but that should never, ever have gotten past Q&A, the fucking game crashes to the Microsoft dashboard. I'd say maybe... 90% 90% of the time, if you fast travel between zones. Like, what the fuck? No game that has fast travel that's pretty much required in this game, like this, unless you feel like trekking forever to get to places, should get past QA if it crashes to the dashboard. So I'm constantly having to save because I'm worried that it might crash and it probably will when I, I pour it over.
0: Eesh. That's just rough
1: so again i'm hoping it'll be fixed um i probably just to be able to enjoy more will probably drop the difficulty level just so i can get through because again it's not that i don't have the the tactical know-how to figure it out it's not rocket science it's just there doesn't always appear to be a way past without specific encounters and they're tuned ridiculously high. Like, to the point of being skulls. It shows skulls beside them. And and they call over other ghouls to help them fight. Or those motherfucking robots that res them. <laughs> I hate those little bastards. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the tuning, the scaling is, in my opinion, way the fuck off. But, I'll try it in easy mode, probably, and see if I can get through, because I am enjoying the combat still. I am enjoying the the story. I'd like to hear more of the story. I like the little elements as you're going along, and they're talking to each other or they discover things. It's it's well done. So let's move on now to that Spider Man because we have to talk about it. Because I I'll flat out say it, I feel fairly confident saying that's my not just game of the year, but it was it was the game that not only delivered on an insanely high expectation but well surpassed it. Joe, you're muted.
2: No, I was waiting to see if anybody else was going to pipe up, but then I remember well, was... that Marty doesn't have the game to play. And I have not got yeah. it yet either. Yeah. I'm I mean, sorry. honestly, it's probably my biggest highlight of the year for a number of reasons. Like, I feel we're finally starting to get the stories for this character that I've wanted all along. We're starting to get a universe that complements that character in a great way. And this game just does nothing but highlight that. Gameplay is absolutely fantastic. Uh, voice acting was phenomenal. Story was just great. It was a total package deal. And I I am looking forward to seeing what else comes out from this because they've already stated that they're looking to the future on this. They're already looking at what's going to come next, what the next game is going to be, and that excites me.
1: I uh, I'm not going to lie. I am still amazed that you have not played this yet, Vince. Just fucking blows my mind that you would be playing quite literally anything else <laughs> before this.
3: Once November hits, I had made it a point to not buy the game in case it turns up elsewhere.
1: Uh, that's the excuse you're using.
3: Listen, I already it's fucked my- <laughs> up earlier this this month by buying one of PC. one of my own Christmas presents. So yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I I keep thinking about this game. When I was thinking about this episode, I kept thinking about the game and thinking about all of the things that it did right. And I'm at the point now where it's not just about, you know, enjoying the story and things like that, but kind of breaking down in my head. Okay. What was it that they did so well that made it something that you want to be uh, engaged in for a lot longer than just a you know 15-minute session, although you can easily do that as well. And for me, it still was the manner in which the questing occurs in this game because I, at least, never felt like I was questing. Then, when I say that, I'm talking about the main storyline. The other stuff and even then not all of the other stuff but the stuff that you grind is you you know you're in a game you're playing it and it's okay i need to do this spot this spot i need to go catch these fucking sky rats and all this bullshit that's that's different but the main storyline and and the few quests side quests that integrate into it nicely kind of thing you just don't feel like you're playing the traditional game where you're going to the hub to go get the quest that you need and proceed from there and things like that it was just so spectacularly well done that you were you were just along for this fantastic story and you didn't it 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 kept you locked in and not not on the outside, looking in kind of thing, and for a game where you are slinging around New York as Spider-Man, that's saying a lot. That it can, it can put you in that suit and and hold you there for hours on end. It, again, I said it before, and I, and I mean it. It's for me, at least. Again this elevated my expectations for every other game that I play now. And it's to the point that when I do play other games, I notice it that much mm-hmm. more. And it, and it is that, God damn you, Spider-Man. <laughs> I respect it for it, but God damn it, because it did that fucking good. For me, it's the attention to the detail, right? Like, there, it's yeah. not a
2: perfect game, right? Like, there are some fables, there are some weird, weird things. We've talked about, like, some of the scenes that maybe... have been looked at a little bit better like the the costume scene uh the costume party scene but otherwise like the everything from the way that voice acting changes when there's exertion or the little sites that you have to find the hidden locations that you can find that are important to the character but not laid out on the map for you the little things that reward you for exploration the little things that even reward you for fast traveling like, there's so many things that they did right here, and it's all small little things that add up to a great experience. Because we we see so many times, and it's a game we'll talk about later on, that sometimes they go too overboard with the detail, and sometimes everything is a little too vast, and it loses sight of itself a little bit, and sort of gets lost in its own own world. Spider-Man never hit that for me. It was never, you know, oh, it's you know too big or it's too small or it's oh worrying about too many, too many little things. It was just they knew when to stop. They knew when to take the light touch, and that was perfect.
1: It wasn't just that. It's again, it's this speaks to just how well conceived and planned out it was and clearly written. Because at various points you're playing through And there are so many villains in this and you're fighting off against them at different times and whatever. And then you have different factions that you have to deal with. There's a lot going on in the game, but you never felt like Spider-Man 3 where it was like there's too many villains in this movie. There's too much going on. They really needed to slow down. Yes, they're different mediums, but it's the same kind of... It's how well... A situation is handled and they handled this chaotic situation of him constantly being threatened and challenged in a much better way so that you being immersed in this never felt like it was too much it was always just a the challenge that that was that took you to your 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 Best self, essentially, you know that that you kept going until you got, you pushed your, you pushed through with clearly the help of many others supporting you. Okay, let's move on to some of the other highlights in terms of games as well. Vince, was Monster Hunter World your top game of the year or in the top three kind of thing?
3: It was not my game of the year, but it is without a doubt the game I played most this year. I think I'm somewhere around 150 hours nice. and it's 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 a game that I honestly still wish I had more time like it, <laughs> there's still so much I haven't done in that game with them constantly putting out new content and just stuff I've never gotten around to it as somebody who was vehemently anti-monster hunter like I never played it on the PS2. And I only knew it as a handheld game on the Vita or not the Vita, geez, the PSP and the various Nintendo devices. And I just never liked it. I didn't like the control scheme. I didn't like the game systems. I didn't like the way the combat worked. I didn't like pretty much anything. It was just that game that I never quite understood why it was so popular. And then World came out and blew my mind. I mean, first of all, it was on an actual console with a controller, which just is a much better experience for that type of game. Because I tried the demos of pretty much every Monster Hunter game, and I just never liked the way it handled, until it was proper to analog sticks and you know all the things we come to expect from modern gaming, with a pretty intense combat mechanic, which Monster Hunter is, and. Utterly gorgeous, like one of the best looking games this year, and just gripped me with how damn fun it was. The mechanics were not simpler, but presented in a, a more user friendly manner. The crafting, while, yes, it can be grindy at points, was never boring. It was, oh, I get to go kill this monster again, not, oh, I have to do another one of these hunts because the game itself was so good. I wanted to keep going. And finally reaching the point where you get that rare drop and can craft this piece of armor you've been working on for hours felt good. Every little upgrade you make to your character, you can actually feel yourself getting more powerful, getting, you know, a a certain skill from rank four to rank five you immediately notice it when you're in there playing the way all the different monsters, you have to approach them with different tactics with the environments, with the random shit that goes on. The multiplayer matchmaking is an absolute train wreck. Still, it's not intuitive in any sense, but playing it with other people is an, absolute blast because everybody has their own approaches their own weapons their own combat styles their own way of doing things i can't wait for the expansion to come out to give me an excuse to go back to the game like okay i can officially let myself set aside other games to go back to monster hunter because i wish i i wish i had more time or not other games that that are higher on my uh to do list right now because i still would like to go back and play more monster hunter world
1: i actually installed it to try it during the uh the free it was like a week well maybe a week um on the consoles it wasn't on the the pc so i i put it on the xbox one and i i played it for a little while i didn't get very very far there's a lot of fucking just following around shit at the beginning where you got to get mm-hmm. through the story elements and I don't know if it looks radically different PS4 versus Xbox One, but some things looked great, but holy fucking hell, some of the other things look horrible. Like, they they do not look good. The graphics, like, on the, the people's faces and things, not the best looking, at least on the Xbox One. But that's, I mean, neither here nor there. Um, uh,
3: I'll, I'll give you that. Some of the character models are pretty iffy, but I, yeah. the actual world
1: itself, though, beautiful, I think. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. So... And then the the cat puns started, and I kind of went, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> 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 Tristan, Tristan happened to be here watching me, because he played the hell out of, uh, what was it, Generations on the, uh, the 3DS, and he loved it. And he was watching me, and it was just as I went to go talk to the fucking cat. And it starts talking, and I went, oh, God, cat puns. And he laughed and went, oh, yeah. It's full of cat puns, and i went, <laughs> oh, fuck. Because that's the one pun not intended pet peeve of mine is these stupid cat puns. I fucking detest it. I haven't been back in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marty, you want to talk about some Stellaris? All right, let's talk about addiction, everybody, because it's
0: not always funny.
3: Hello, my name is Marty, and I play Stellaris. So,
1: and that's the thing, like... Suddenly I, your 150 hours is like fucking nothing.
0: Yeah, I did the math, and uh, I... and, and oh, Granted, in my defense, I will leave Stellaris on and then go do a whole bunch of other shit and forget that I left the game on. So, that's on me, but... I've got over 47 days. Like, I'll be on my fucking deathbed being like 47 days playing this game. Like, is it that good? And the answer is, I can't tell I'm addicted to it. So what I thoroughly enjoy about this game is the like, I'm um, one of the few subreddits that I read where I don't automatically just downvote everybody because I think they're all fascists. Um this is there's a lot of cool story that comes from people like and their RP plays and what they say they're doing and how they're going to do it. Um, I can't wrap my head around wanting to play a space empire full of, you know, genetically enhanced geckos that want to wipe out the planet. Like I watched V as a kid and it scarred me for life. So I'm never going to do that to my fellow people, even if they're just, you know, digital recreations. But. The game itself keeps expanding and changing and bringing new life to it, which I really, really love. Um, This new expansion pack has completely changed the way the intergalactic economy works, which is just mind boggling. Um, There's perks and you can do everything. And I keep trying to build the Federation. And I have won like five or six different games, Um, but I've lost way more. Uh, Most recently, because like the entire economy collapsed, like it's the 23rd century version of the Great Depression and everything just goes to shit and I can't salvage a thing. Um, The game is super fun. However, um, there comes a point in every single Stellaris playthrough that I've had where it's like I should win. I'm trying to win. It's taking me too long to win. And now this is becoming a slog and I can't stop. And the thing is, this is exactly what happens with me and Civ. Like I w- I have specific goals in Civ. I don't care if I win the game or not, but can I write historical wrongs that a specific country inflicted on the country of my great grandparents birth, <laughs> which is the oh, answer God, is if I got a story yes. for you. Oh, man. Continue. continue. I'll put it this way. In college, I nuked London all the time, all the time, like went to war with the United Nations because I was like, nope, I'm doing a paper on the Great Potato Famine. And now I'm angry. So I'm just y'all getting nuked because it was also Queen so,
1: Elizabeth. a little excessive. Jeez. Don't you think? Oh, that's the problem, Roger. <laughs> that's my problem. You I should never trust. have power. <laughs> Never.
0: Um, I yeah No there's multiple reasons why Not the least of which being like uh, I can go to An 11 on the petty meter And uh, I'll describe it Like this if I uh, Do develop some late term dementia No matter what I Forget I will always remember My grudges I will have Irish Alzheimer's This is how it will be And that's just how it is and the flip side to this compulsion and obsession, because I went tonight, like trying to sleep, thinking about how I could save my fictional space empire economy <laughs> is I get addicted to that. And so like, I have to do a hard stop. So what's, what I love about Destiny and about WoW and about like almost a and, and, uh, Strange Brigade, pick up, play for a little bit, put down. You can blow a whole afternoon. You can get a good session in. Doesn't matter. Stellaris, it puts one hook in you and then another and then another. And by the time you're trying to get out, it's like it's like Jumanji. You're Robin Williams. And you're screaming, what day is it? So I love it. But be prepared to have it like you have to forcibly say, I am not turning this game on uh, for a month because I need my time back.
1: I'm not going to lie. And this is not a good selling thing for Stellaris. <laughs> but the reason I have not started the game is you.
0: <laughs>
1: I've seen <laughs> what it's done to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I've kind of went, I don't think so. Because I know myself and I know how I feel about those types of games too. And it's probably because of the strength of the game but also partially because of what it's done to you that I'm going nope, not going down that path. Yep. <laughs> I enjoy playing other games. That's I scary. am
0: I am so far behind in like every other project that I'm working on like by now uh and these are not like work projects. Like it's not like I play the game at work outside of like the occasional lunch hour where I'm like I got to do it. But like um I should have learned more of the D3 JavaScript library than I have by now. Uh and it's because, like, I'm too busy fighting off the goddamn space mushrooms, who turn out are racist as fuck. God damn it! So yeah, get the game, but have clear boundaries and respect the boundaries because boundaries make you healthier. See, I'm
3: very <laughs> curious to compare notes with you, Marty, because I just picked up Stellaris. Uh, there was a sale this past weekend. I got the base game and the first two expansions for like 32 bucks. I think it was. Oh, that's a deal. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll grab Corp at some point soon. Because once I have free time again, which I hear is a thing that happens to people, uh, and my new computer now, I'm going to dive in and bring my brand of justice to the galaxy. Oh, you're going to play a fanatical cleansing empire? Uh, and just... Not necessarily. Yes, you will. But for example, I've recently been playing a lot of Civilization VI on my Switch. And uh, my latest game, I started off with Germany. And just by virtue of the way things worked out, started off rather isolated. Uh, So I just built up this nice, really good empire, strong economy, great production, you know, German things.
0: Oh, oh God. Just be very careful with where you go within this one.
3: I know. (laughs) Found a a nice little island uh, not very far off my coast close enough to expand over there like oh nothing's really here a couple of city states rome is nearby but not close enough to really be worried about me expanding here set down my little city because there was a nice resource there that i didn't have on my my home turf and all of a sudden a couple little cities just started popping up like really shitty cities like why would anybody build these cities here and out of nowhere Norway declares war on me.
0: (laughs) Fuck Norway.
3: Norway declares a surprise war, which in Civilization VI carries very heavy political penalties. They just showed up on my little island, built these crap cities just so that they could build some troops and send them after me. And now they're all going to go meet Valhalla. Because that is how I play Civ. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I am not aggressive.
1: Going back to the I point, I am literally. perfectly happy pursuing
0: my own goals.
1: So long as you get to me. rule the
0: universe. <laughs> so, in my current Stellaris playthrough, I have a hive mind. They're basically an orcish hive mind, right to the galactic north of me, and they attacked and they invaded when, like, I was having an issue with. Like, there's a certain tech that just didn't develop for me. So, like, I had no navy, basically, which is ridiculous. Um, I am now going to conquer them because they fucking have it coming. Um, and I'm playing a pacifist empire, but I remember and I will not let this go and they will be punished. They have it coming.
3: <laughs>
0: so, I, I, yeah, we, Proud we put the same way.
1: Okay. Let's move on from there. Although very, very quickly, how does uh, Civ work on the uh, the Switch?
3: Uh, the interface took a little getting used to, just because like you can use it as the touch screen, but I didn't want to do that, and so figuring out what buttons do what and oh, how okay. to get to certain things. But you know, now that I you know, figured out the interface, it's it's Civ hundred percent. Uh, the only downside is that it's the base game. It doesn't have any of the, the expansion that came out last year.
1: Oh, okay. okay. I mean, it does
3: have all the patches and stuff, but uh, none of the expansion content yet.
1: Right. Okay, let's move on to uh, God of War, because that clearly was, well, for some, the game of the year as well. And Joe, you really did like it as well.
2: I really did. I thought it was a fantastic reimagining of, uh, of Kratos and his story. So God of War was sort of one of those... Franchise games that defined a generation of gamers with the hack and slash play the over the top sort of Approach to everything from relations to family reunions Uh, And you either loved it or you hated it But this one I think sort of opened the door for people that maybe weren't necessarily God of War fans to begin with By telling a compelling story showing that the character had Matured and grown and been shaped by their experiences and then just doing it in such a wonderful way that was just intuitive and very cool i, I want to say it's pseudo open world as well like there's a clear direction it wants you to go and it's uh it, but it's not as open as
3: like skyrim or even zelda where you can just kind of go wherever it, and find wherever everything it, it's open in the castlevania metroid sense kind of yeah there's a lot of stuff you can go to but not interact with yet
2: you have the same you have the same end point, but you like there's a couple different ways to get there every single time, which works in its favor. Uh, it was just a really great experience. And the payoff at the end of it was one of those things where while I had predicted the ending, because I am terrible at doing that, um, even knowing what was coming, if you know
3: literally anything about Norse myth, it kind of tells itself.
2: <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, but even knowing that like I still felt rewarded at the end like I got to the end of the game and I felt accomplished I felt rewarded um, the only thing that I would say about it is I thought it would be a game that would drive me to feel about doing something with 100 percent completion I I don't feel the need to do that with this but it was just a great experience great storytelling great fun uh, and I will never ever forget, uh, re- like Tart cackling, as I'm sitting here mouthing along, like boy with Kratos.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, God Kratos. of God of War was my game of the year this year. It's it was a fantastic experience beginning to end, and I agree with what you said. It, it was great seeing a mature Kratos. That this is something we don't see very much in video games, like. I I played the first God of War and I enjoyed it for what it was, but I didn't play any of the others because it felt more of the same to me. So I wasn't very interested in this one until it came out and I started reading about it and learning about it and seeing that, no, this is a completely different spin on the franchise and that, yeah, he he's carrying the weight of the things that he did and he's learned from his experiences and is trying not to propagate the things that were done to him onto his own son. And like the, the game did so many great things. Like still one of the, f- one of the best friggin' moments in gaming for me this year was in one of the quests. I forget if it was a side quest or a main quest. Like you meet a ghost of a bandit and he's got a dagger in his back and you know, it's a game. You can talk to the ghost. It's like what happened? Oh, my son decided he wanted to uh take over the, the crew. So he stabbed me in the back and Atreus goes, he killed his own father who would do such a thing and then just deadpan the camera just pans yep. over to kratos <laughs> and i was dying laughing cuz it was brilliant but all that stuff of even with uh with freya and balder and all all the stuff thor and uh, there's so much of Kratos not wanting to repeat his past mistakes, but at the same time realizing there are certain things that have to be done. And it was so phenomenal. As somebody who is a huge fan of myth in general, Norse myth, absolutely. And seeing all these things brought to life. Like when you first interact with the Yormagonder And just the size and scale of this creature. Coming across in the sound work. The voice acting. It was so many great experiences. That once it was done. I still wanted to keep going. And I did get 100%. I got the platinum trophy in that game. Because I wanted to rescue all the Valkyries. I wanted to complete all the Muspelheim trials. I, Niflheim kind of sucked. But. I got through it, <laughs> so it it's a game that absolutely engrossed me for a couple of weeks. I played literally every bit of content it had to offer, and I put it away very satisfied with my experience.
2: Yeah, and my only gripe I think with it is that I wanted more by the end of it. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a good long game. Like, there is a there, the main story quest still takes a good while to get through, but I still wanted more. And like, Mm -hmm. I was actually a little bit surprised that we didn't get to interact with more of the Pantheon than we did. And like, I understand that it was probably just for that's
3: me being selfish a little bit. I I wanted to see. I I think if they'd gone down that route, though, I think it would have taken too much away from the true story of the game, which is Atreus's journey.
2: Right.
0: And how how
3: tight it is with those. Right. Like, you know, going with after Thor and like, you know, finding, you know, tear and all, all the other little bits of mythology that they put in the game. I I feel that those would have become, they either would have been side quests almost from the main journey, or they would have overshadowed the the primary story. So I'm perfectly okay with them going. Yeah, we're doing Thor in the sequel because of course we are.
2: Yeah, now I just, I'm burning for that sequel now.
1: Okay, so let's move on from there because this year was also fun because we got to return to Life is Strange, and we always love talking about that on this show. So we got to see both the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit and then Life is Strange 2. And... Both had a pretty deep impact for us. And Marty, this was kind of your introduction with Captain Spirit to the Life is Strange universe. So that was kind of fun to have you kind of joining us on this ride now. Oh,
0: yeah. This game, this so, uh, it is really hard and I have not picked up Life is Strange 2 just because, uh, it's probably falling in the same wheelhouses. Uh, how do I put this? <clears throat> I don't want to deal with uh, Laquan McDonald in a video game um, or anything close to that. Laquan McDonald being the young, young man who was murdered by the Chicago police department uh, by being shot to the back. Uh, and so the minute in the demo of life is strange two when we see that scene, like immediately, like this is, this is going to be hard for me to get into.
1: Now, if I could, if I could say, before you move on to captain spirit, if I could say one thing, and I just thought of it because of, how you're relating it to reality, I actually would say give life is strange to a try anyway, because while there is, while there is a lot of the horrible shit that is actually happening right now, there's also hope. And that's what you're getting from the brothers. And that's what you're getting as the driving force moving them forward through this adventure is going to be this hope and, and him looking out for his brother. And it 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 puts more of a positive spin on a, a horrible aspect of, of real life kind of thing. And and because of that, I think that if you go into it knowing that and, and expecting that and, and tailoring your choices towards that you will have a different experience i just
0: distinctly remember you guys telling me to be careful with the game yes oh yeah
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: yeah so i'll be i mean i want to give it a shot because it looks phenomenal it's a story game that i can like you know click around tell the story see what's going on like have choices yeah uh the amazing adventures of captain spirit are is like one of the one of the shortest games you know i know it's only a demo but it was such a wonderful gaming experience as you see this little kid processing uh their grief the secondary loss not just of their mother but also i guess i would even argue the primary loss of their alcoholic father um all the weird stuff that happens at the end the Sufyan stevens uh being played at appropriate times like What's the fastest way to get me interested in the game? Like throw in music that I know. Uh, let's let's play let's play the Sufjan Stevens game. So yeah, I, I just really thoroughly enjoyed every moment of this. And like this is another one of the reasons I've got to put Stellaris down because I've got other games I need to go play. And this is one of them.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, the next episode, which is I, I believe I read it's dropping in January, isn't it? Oh nice. Okay, I'll check that after. Um, Okay, let's move on to actually something a little bit different here, too, because we saw you getting back into TCGs with Magic the Gathering, Vince, which you actually got back into it before I did, which I thought was hysterical. But (laughs) you're the reason why I started playing it as well. And they did actually a really good job with Arena and we've both sunk quite a few hours into it.
3: That is probably my biggest regret with my current work schedules. I haven't done my dailies in a couple weeks. I missed out on some card packs. Like that that's something that greats at me. <laughs> because like I never really played magic. Like I never owned my own cards. Like it was always like go over a friend's house, borrow one of their decks, and like, you know, have some fun with it. But I never got to build my own decks because I didn't want the investment. Even as an adult, I don't want the investment that's required in doing that. So with MTG arena, when it first came out, like I was watching some videos. I think I was watching day nine play it. I was like, okay, it's solid. The presentation is perfect. Like it, it, I mean, they're starting off of a point of power with it's magic. It's there's a reason it's been around for 25 years. There's a reason it'll probably be around for another 25 years. They know how to make a good card game and they put some good uh, UI and graphic elements and just made, here you go, here's Magic in a much better playable state than Magic the Gathering Online with a functional user uh, interface and nice graphics and good sound, and here you go. So I jumped in when the open beta started and I was immediately hooked because I've always liked Magic. So this gave me the opportunity to do all the things I never could do, build my own decks and whatnot. To this date, with the amount of hours I put in it, I've spent a grand total of $5 because that little starter bundle was actually a really good value. I threw them five bucks for that. I've built one very good deck and one decent deck that I really enjoy without spending a single penny beyond that just through the wild card mechanics through all of the the daily quests, the weekly quests, everything. So the I I can say without a doubt, the economy of the game is very friendly to uh, to players. There's I mean it's still in beta, they're tinkering with some things. They were going to make a change last week that the community went no, please don't do that. So they went okay, we won't do that. And with the new uh, set coming out in a few weeks, uh, early uh, January, uh, Elite Alliances of Ravnica, Allegiances of Ravnica, something of Ravnica, with uh, supporting the other guilds, which are the ones I actually like to play. I prefer Rakdos and Orzov, who are not currently supported in the latest uh, set. So like, I'm really looking forward to building some really fun decks coming up, and just... It's a perfect little game. I can hop in, play for a half hour, knock out my daily quests, put it away, and I'm satisfied. There's also those days where I've completed all my quests. There's literally no value I get out of playing it, but I still keep queuing up because it's just damn fun. Yep,
1: I agree. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games where because the matchmaking system is done so well and you don't have to worry about jackasses because again the worst they could do is just do one of the canned phrases and you can even mute that if you want and there's the timers you're You're just playing with AI is what you can tell yourself. And it's so fast. And you tend to have, instead of if you were playing with an AI of when you know you're going to lose, it still drags on forever. No, here, if you're going to win and it's quite obvious, often the other player will just leave or you do the same. And it's it makes it for a much faster experience of, you know, you want to knock out three, four games or whatever. If you can get through a couple of them pretty fast because it's you you lucked out on the draw or they did and you just kind of rip through it a lot faster. It's it's very well designed. And then, in terms of interesting things as well for this year with the um the 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 VR stuff, I actually didn't do as much as before, but the ones that I did do, I really had a lot of fun with. And Moss was a highlight. Moss was just this astounding experience that i never would have had otherwise that it's it it was made for vr yes you could play a game similar to this in on traditional monitors and such but it it was there's something about that vr experience that all of a sudden you want to protect this little fucking mouse and all of it around and 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 how beautiful it was so amazing. And then with Star Trek Bridge Crew, with the Next Generation uh, DLC that came out, that was also a ton of fun that I really loved. Had a couple of weird quirks with it, but once you got past that, you were fine. But just... Again, experiences that you won't find elsewhere that are so well done that I'm, I'm glad that I had them kind of thing. So even though I'm not in there quite as much as before, when I do go in and I get things like this, like I'm looking forward to doing the Astro Boy one. I haven't done that yet, so I cannot wait to get in and, and play that. So now let's talk a little bit more about some recent stuff as well, because... Where would you put the Lego DC supervillains, Joe, in terms of your enjoyment for the year? Because you certainly look like you had a ton of fun (laughs) with it.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I had a ton of fun playing that game. Like, the humor was fantastic. It was just a great experience. Uh, It was a great stream game, too. uh, So I was very happy about that. Seemed to get people interested. I got to play as a negative Bob Ross. So, I mean, how could you go wrong? Uh, It's probably in my top three four games this year easily. really that's pretty high yeah you know and in and, and that's saying something because i got a lot of enjoyment out of it i still play it i still pop into it i'm still trying to get stuff in it i enjoyed the storytelling in it which is is something that i don't get to say very often about the lego games uh, at least not it doesn't feel like that lately because i did not really cared for the marvel ones that have come out as of late uh, but i enjoyed the voice acting i enjoyed all the little bits about it it was just a really fun, wholesome experience. And then, I don't know, like it just, it, it hit me in a way that I didn't expect it. I was like, oh, it's a Lego game. It'll be fun. Okay, whatever. But it was just, it was so much better than I expected it to be.
1: Well, I think it's also the, just that spin of playing the villains. And what, I that, think so too. what it does for the story and the narrative moving forward. And if it's not handled well, then it's not gonna be fun. But if it's handled well and tongue in cheek, which clearly they know how to do, then th- you can really have a lot of fun with with something like that. And it's it's also because they they appreciate that roster, the, the villain's roster on the DC side is freaking amazing like you have some very iconic characters that we've all grown up with so now to be able to do stuff with them kind of thing and at times use their, their their minifigs is fucking cool as hell so and it was a lot of fun watching you play it it just it is one of those ones that i'm waiting to go for a good sale on the switch so that i can play it on there
2: yeah. And I highly recommend it. Like it's, 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 and I don't do that often either. Like it's, it, that's why it's in my top like three or four games. If I recommend you to play a game, that means that I think that this is worth your money. And that's a big deal. Cause I am fucking stingy. Let me tell you,
1: but yeah, no, it's, it was just so much better than expected. All right, we're going to have to loop Marty back in because he's so fucking bored he's tweeting like crazy now. So how about you join us back again and we can talk about maybe some yep. Destiny 2 because that's where your heart lies if it's not in Stellaris. Sorry, I was updating my my <laughs> personal choices regarding beer
0: and swapping out uh, one, one USB-C port for a different one. So let's talk about Destiny 2 because you know what? Uh, Bungie fuckery ruined a lot of stuff for people. And then, again, in typical Bungie fashion, they put together this really fantastic um, a DLC X-Pack. Um, the currently, for, okay. So for those who don't know, uh, Forsaken is uh, your space western where you're on on the road to revenge because uh, a NPC from the previous games killed killed Nathan Fillion, like. He kills Cade 6 And now you gotta go get revenge. Uh, now, it they the returned to good destiny form by throwing in uh, hidden items, secrets that are still being unraveled. Uh, the return of everybody's space grandmother, uh, Eva Levante, uh, for the dawning event. So you're getting Christmas presents and you're baking cookies. Let's not talk about the ingredients because vex milk that's funny don't drink vex milk because that's bad but also like uh don't eat armor from dead hive that's gross just don't do that um it is once again for me like i talked about earlier log on do a couple things you're good to go but there is so many there's so much going on they are they are however relying a little bit too much on horde modes um there are different kinds of horde modes, but still. Um, the game is fun, it is frantic, uh, the secrets are back, the lore is the lore is confusing, and you know what? Honestly, that doesn't bother me. Um, because it's not it's not Metson swapping something out from the early days of WoW because he forgot something or he decided something sounded better. Um, this is like how history is written and gets fucked up because people aren't perfect. It's great. I love it.
1: Let me ask you this and, and Vince yourself as well. Having played through it now, what do you think is a good value? What is a good price for that expansion? Okay. So like, if it comes on sale, What's the price where you would tell people, yes, it's definitely worth this much?
3: I mean, that's going to vary from person to person. Like, again, that's I got it for I $30. bucks. i am okay with I mean, I still haven't touched the vast majority of it, but I, I, I feel like 30 was a good break point for me.
1: There was $30 worth of value to the, that expansion.
0: Well, I hope so. <laughs> Marty? Well... So this is where we all have to take my bias into account, right? Like, um, I think for 30 bucks, that's a fair deal. I bought the, I bought sight unseen everything because I've got sucker tattooed on my inner lip. So, you know, every time I talk, I make sure that people know I'm an easy mark. I honestly think 30 bucks is good. Um, I could see even 35 uh, and if you like if you really like certain aspects of it 40 that being said this whole destiny extended game pass subscription weird thing with the forge it's uh, I still don't know how it works and I set up a Google alert and all the articles I read are telling me contradictory things about what you're actually getting or not getting um but for forsaken if you get it for 30 bucks that is great i'll just leave it there 30 bucks for okay. forsaken is a good deal
1: okay cuz like i was saying if it if there's a decent sale at christmas time i will probably pick it up but i'm trying to decide what the value is for it and comparing it to the you know the cost of a regular full game so for me 40 bucks would still be out of my price range that I'd be comfortable paying for it, knowing how much time I'm going to spend in it after I've completed the the story elements and whatnot. So it's a little bit different for me as well.
3: Yeah, I, going into Forsaken, my plan is complete the story, you know, do any, like, actual missions that are available, like extra adventures and whatnot afterwards. Maybe get some collectibles, and then I'm good. Like, I'm not into the end game grind. I'm not into gearing up my guardian. I'll have a very nice l- level, whatever the heck guardian it is, uh, when the next expansion comes out, because I'll just use the free character. That's what I did this time, because my character from year one, even though I played Osiris and Warmind, I didn't stick around long enough to gear them up. So my Titan actually would not have been ready to start uh, Forsaken. So just use the, to- the token, leveled my uh, warlock, uh, from level four, which is the last time I played that Warlock, all the way up to 50, was it? I don't know. Level, level numbers yeah. don't matter in Destiny 2. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with, uh, with enough power
0: level to to start the story, and I was happy with that. I would say that there is, like like in The Taken King, which was the the golden era of Destiny 1, um, there's your campaign that you do, and it's longer than Warmind, And then there is a second campaign where you unlock the dreaming city, uh, which is there's a lot more um, story going on, but you've got to piece it together. Um, It's, it's out in the open, but there's even more to go dig and to find and to pull together. And I'm still finding shit. Like uh, what, what I really would like, or if you could find it's like just a, Here are the steps you need to take No spoilers, here are the steps you need to take To unveil the story Of the Dreaming City, and why is this so important Because it's Bonkers It's like Numenera level Like super science crazy Going on, and uh, For obvious reasons, that is really Appealing to me right now
1: Okay, let's move on Joe, you wanted to talk about Battle Princess Madeline
2: Yeah, so this year has been a really good year for just indie games in general. Uh, and one of the ones that just came out very, very recently is is a uh, goals and goblins uh, homage called Battle Princess Madeline. Now, one of, the, one of the games that I played last year that I really liked uh, on the Switch was uh, uh, Tales of Blossom. And it was a Zelda clone, but it was a female character lead and it was told through the lens of like a grandfather telling a story to the kids. Um, about this you know, night, this whole night, and the gameplay of it was like, oh, you tell a story, and you actually change the narrative a little bit as you play. You get to make some choices. Well, this is kind of the same thing uh, as far as like the storytelling aspect of it. It opens up very much with like the Princess Bride opening, where a grandfather's coming to see his sick granddaughter and tell her a story about a princess, and she's all upset. She's like, I don't want to listen about a princess. She's like, Oh, did I mention he's a she's a she's a knight too. And then also she perks up. She's like, oh, wait, she's a knight. Uh, and so you're running around as this warrior princess knight uh, who's out for revenge on this evil sorcerer who's not only, like, fucking with your kingdom, but kills your fucking dog, too. And, like, it's just such a almost a simplistic story, but the gameplay is good. The There are actual little, like, elements out of it that, like, have little snippets of, like, the story that trans- transpires you go through. Tons of hidden stuff. Um, and one thing I will say about it, what impressed me the most is not just the game being good, but the team working on it being so good as well. A lot of times you'll find games that will release that the, that team doesn't really care anymore if, it, for lack of a better term. And so they sort of let the game out in the wild, forget about it, maybe do one or two patches and and just kind of move on to the next thing. I got to give the dev team for this one credit because when I was sitting there looking like first got the game, got everything installed, I wound up having some weird technical difficulties. And so I just threw it out into the void. I said, you know, hey, having some problems. Can anybody help me out? One of the devs from from Casual Bit actually like wasn't tagged. It had nothing to do with Casual Bit, found the tweet, replied, and was like, Hey, you know, hop into our Discord and, and we'll we'll chat with you about it and started chatting with them about the weirdness of my technical difficulty. And they were super cool, and they were working on it, and they were looking at it, they were responsive, and then they were just fun and having fun with the game on top of it. So not only were they, like, devotedly working and releasing patches throughout the entire day, like, new builds, new patches, quickly releasing them to Steam, getting them vetted, getting them out there, getting them pushed to the so that people's, like, problems can be fixed and resolved but they were just cool and happy that their game was out in the wild and doing whatever they could to make sure everybody had the best experience possible. That really impressed me. So super, super good game. As far as I'm concerned, super cool dev team. And it's only 20 bucks. It's a damn steal for the price of the, of the game. As far as if you like goose uh, ghost and goblins or ghouls and goblins style gameplay. Awesome
3: this was definitely another great year for indies with stuff like into the breach, uh, Obra Dinn, dead messenger. cells was an absolute blast. I haven't gotten a tribe messenger yet, but, uh, one thing I forgot to, to add into the show notes was, uh, another game I picked up this year. Well, Alicia technically picked it up was the Castlevania Requiem, which is just basically a straight port of Rondo of blood and symphony of the night. And I played through symphony of the night first, like, First time I've legitimately played it in almost 20 years, and it reminded me, or not even reminded me, it made me realize things I didn't appreciate when I was a teenager, insofar as just game design and how. The game, every time it presents you with a new mechanic, it gives you kind of a safe place to explore that mechanic. You just save point nearby. Okay, you just got the double jump. Here's some jumps. Oh, you fell? Okay, well, it's a quick route to get back there and try it again until you get some more advanced places where you're not going to fall because you've now mastered this move. Very, very excellent game design in Symphony of the Night that I did not appreciate when I was younger. And I'm appreciating that all over again because I recently picked up Hollow Knight, which I know Roger and Joe, you're both huge fans of. Yeah. And I it's the exact same thing of excellently designed of the way it handles the mechanics and giving you very obvious here's a thing you can't do yet. So that as soon as you gain the ability to do said thing, you remember. It's not having to to figure out the map and just backtrack endlessly, like you know because the game has showed you. And it leads you exactly where you need to go. It's very intuitive, just like Symphony of the Night was. And on top of it, it's got great atmosphere, fantastic gameplay, and I've only, I've only just gotten uh, past the second boss, so I know I have a lot more game to experience. But I'm absolutely entranced by Hollow Knight.
1: Okay, we're going to be starting our wrap-up, so I'm going to go first. You guys think about which game or games you want to definitely get in before we end and within the confines of a few minutes because we're, we're getting on to a long episode now. So while I'm talking about WoW, you guys can think about what you want to talk about because this year, of course, was our battle for Azeroth and... It started off for a lot of people, myself included, a wonderful high and really enjoying the story elements and whatnot. And then for a number of people, myself included, it kind of went downhill pretty fast. And then for some, really downhill afterwards as well in terms of how things have been handled with the story elements moving forward. and gameplay elements as well and choices they're making with armor and all kinds of different stuff again people are going to have very differing opinions about this because it's an mmo and because it's wow and i know that for me i looked at it not from the perspective of all the extra shit put in because i know myself well enough with wow now to know that I care about the story elements, and then I'm probably going to get out once i have tired of leveling alts or doing the battle pads or things like that. So, I'm not the raider. I'm not the arena person. So, that's, that's fine. I don't hold that against it. The issues that I had with the game <laughs> were... Story elements were quite different on either side, either faction. I did both the Horde side and the Alliance side all the way through for, for both of them. And while the Alliance side, I started on the Alliance side and started in, in Dress Bar. While that started off insanely strong and super fucking cool... As you played more of it, then you kind of started to see the cracks behind the story elements and and how different gameplay aspects were, just rehashes of shit you've done for well over a decade now and things like that. And then I switched over to the Horde side and found that, by and large, the stories were exceptional. And then, when I went back to the Alliance Light to finish off all of the story elements and to do all of the zones to get the 100% completion there, that's when I really appreciated how horrible in comparison it was on the alliance side. Now that's going to vary based on people's opinions and things like that. It's subjective. It's story. But for me personally, it really was that bad. And then it got to the point where you could not progress with the story without doing a variety of dungeons. And the final thing was you needed to do the mythic as well, which I, I never even bothered with that because that that was too high. And it really pissed me off that they gated that behind it. So, I actually haven't played for well over a month now, maybe two. Um or no, about a month, yeah, because I let it lapse. Yeah, a month. Um because it just I did literally everything that I wanted to do story-wise, all of the quests, everything, and it all that I had going was doing the faction rep stuff to unlock the uh, extra races because I was really fucking hyped for that, but they they did such a number on leveling alts that it's just not fun anymore. So it was like, well, what the fuck is the point? So I let it lapse for the time being and I'll wait for the next expansion. So Joe, where are you at looking back now? Just ever so briefly, um, where are you at now with the expansion? Uh, I'm in
2: a love hate with it right now. I right. I, I, act- I actually think the story is very good uh, overall, like as a whole taken. I think it's, it's a pretty good story. The problem is, is that the systems get in the way, and it, it, it sort of. They're they're making so many steps back from where Legion was. Like Legion was probably the best expansion that they've had to date, as far as uh, coherency, as far as systems, as far as making the game accessible, having a clear vision and executing on this vision. Battle for Azeroth, while again, not a terrible expansion, it's not Warlords of Draenor it's it's like they they don't know where they want to go right now like the story's in place but they don't know it's almost like they don't know how to make the systems match the story and it's it's weird like i'm still playing it and i still find things to have fun with it but it's it's not as good as legion was yeah okay marty
0: closing out what do you got to say this is a year like this is a year for me that has been um Well, long, like I was shocked to learn and remember that Black Panther came out February (laughs) of this year, right? (laughs) Um, But through it all, um, like the highlight for me uh, has been picking up the Xbox One X and getting the Game Pass. Like um, you guys have been talking a lot about indie developers and I don't think I don't think Ashen qualifies as an indie game, but it's in a weird. It's not AAA, but it's but it, you know it's in that kind of indie darling, almost indie darling role, and it's a game that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, I, I just sitting on my couch when Shannon is off running errands and just playing like five minutes of a game that I just downloaded
1: has been a blast. Let me ask and you this: great. Would you have picked up Ashen otherwise?
0: You know what? I picked up a couple games on Steam that I haven't played, and I know that's an ongoing joke, but, uh, you know, like having a gigantic library that you can never get through. I don't want to live my life like that. Like, I want to read all my comics. I want to read all my books. I want to play all my games, Um, which is a long way of saying, like, probably not. I would not yeah. have picked up Ashen if it wasn't for the fact that it was on there for free. And like Mutant Years, but Mutant Year Zero, I probably would have wait, just waiting for it to go on sale through Xbox Live Gold. But I don't have to do either. I just got that Hellblade, Ashen, the Master Chief Chronicles, which I haven't played, but um, I've got an itch to play Halo again. So, like, honestly, uh, I'm not going to buy a gaming PC because. Uh, uh, because I want to And it's a bad idea um, So I, I just Love the idea of having Netflix for games and I get to play Most of the games I really want to play With two major Exceptions one that's already out and one that's Coming out so I have to get a switch Before the uh, ultimate Alliance 3 comes out because I'll need to Play that
1: when's that coming out again Do you remember
2: Sometime
0: 2019 Yeah. So I've got some time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've been reading more and more about people that are just buying an Xbox and getting that service. And that's it. Whether for them or their kids. And it's one of those, you only have to pay, you know, 10, 12 bucks per month. And that's it. You've got all the fucking games that will, that you'll ever have time to play.
0: Microsoft did this deal. You go to the store, you buy an Xbox one X two years of um, Xbox live and the game pass the whole total. You buy an Xbox at one X or, or an Xbox one S whichever you buy um, you get the deal and it's cheaper at the time. It was cheaper to do that than to buy all those things separately. (laughs) Um, It's great. And they're making money hand over fist because people are buying games from they're buying more games because they're playing them.
1: So yeah, no, I agree. Okay. Vince, what about you?
3: Uh, One other thing I'd like to touch on for this year is my growing appreciation for ongoing games and more specifically, even the companies that run them. This is the year I fell in love with not just Warframe, but digital extremes and their approach to business and the amount of content they give their players. For literally nothing. Uh, what we just saw with Fortuna dropping not that long ago. An entire expansion for free. Uh, along with corresponding frames and you name it. No money needs to be invested uh, whatsoever. And I really appreciate that. It's a great game on top of it, of course. Uh, as well as with Path of Exile. Uh, I just started playing the new Betrayal League that launched uh, in earlier this month. And the leagues are very much like Diablo seasons if there is new content every season and not just like new items and like maybe a new zone, like entire new gameplay mechanics that grinding gear has put in. For example, with Betrayal League, there's uh, an underground crime syndicate that you investigate as you're just playing through the game randomly, like certain encounters will spawn and when you defeat the, the little mini boss that's there. You can choose what to do with them. You can interrogate them. You can bargain with them. You can execute them. Like you name it, and it all has like there's there's a literal like conspiracy theory string board in the game that you you keep allows you to keep track of. Okay, this person is uh, working with this arm of the syndicate, and you can make a deal with them, and they'll move over to another branch. Now you have a mole in that branch. It's mind blowing how a awesome this concept is uh, and B, how well it meshes with the core game and C, fucking free on top of all of that. Uh, so, uh, another fantastic game that is delivering great great value to its players.
1: Awesome. Joe?
3: I mean, I've talked
2: about pretty much all the stuff that I really wanted to talk about. Uh God. That's I don't fine. Know.
1: No, no, you don't have to talk. I was... If you wanted to close Uh, out
2: with something. The only thing that I'm going to say is that this year has definitely made me excited to see what the next year is going to bring, whether it's Nintendo, whether it's the next subscription service for, or as far as like game passes go or where some of these triple A titles that showed us that single player story driven experiences could be just as rewarding, if not more rewarding uh, in a sea of battle Royales so I'm hoping we get more of that soon. I'm hoping that, you know, we have such devoted devs and companies out there that will look at this and go, I can make this story. I can do the story I want. I can give this epic experience to these players. And I'm excited for that. Excited in a way that I haven't really been in the last couple of years. I think I think that's the biggest takeaway for me in 2018.
1: I think what I When I'm looking towards the future and being excited, like you were saying, it's very much because of the strength of what we saw this year. And and again, as you get older, you do have that foresight of being able to look back at, you know. the progression that gaming has been taking and being able to extrapolate from that and say, you know, we're not too far from this happening or from getting these kind of things and all that. And again, I cannot stress enough how I feel Spider-Man took that leap forward in terms of how to present a story in an insanely engaging way. And clearly you guys feel the same way about God of War too. Like we're seeing these experiences that are, really shaping gaming moving forward and it's always been that case but it's just again we can appreciate that forward arc and being able to look forward to 2019 and go oh my god I can't fucking wait to play cyberpunk or beyond good and evil 2 and all of these amazing titles coming out next year oh god cyberpunk's coming out <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> nothing else matters so that is going to wrap up the year for for the lore as always it's so important to let you guys know how much you mean to us it's it's great knowing that you guys are listening that you're engaging with us you might not always agree with our opinions but it's fun being able to talk about games in a constructive respectful way still and it's it's been a great year big change bringing in a fourth chair marty i am so glad we brought you in it was very fun having you here we're done with you now you can go back to your comic book thing. I was about to say like <laughs> my, my, my nearly cleared because you're saying nice things about
0: me, so that money is uh, well spent. Yeah.
1: But anyway, so yeah, everybody, happy holidays. Enjoy your time off. If you have any, play many, many games so that we have stuff to talk about next year. January, we're starting back not just with the podcast, but with a brand new campaign from Marty. We're all looking forward to it for the most part. And it should be very interesting. <laughs> One way or another, it's gonna be fucking interesting to see what happens here. <laughs> Uh, I promise
3: I will make it interesting if I have to. <laughs> Promises have I been made. I
0: I can make it not, like, we'll, We can settle. It'll be interesting. So make sure to the check out the four notes be- and for the lore,
1: <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter and on Stitcher and on iTunes and all that jazz. Anyways, happy holidays and we will see you guys next year. All right, boys, that's a wrap for the year. Woot. As always, fantastic work. You guys know that I appreciate your work day in and day out.
2: Well, all I have to say is uh, I love you guys. Even you, Marty.
1: Yay!
0: (laughs) My check Uh, cleared
2: for Joe, too. Especially Marty. Vince Vince is just happy not to be the butt of every joke. I'm not the new
0: guy anymore. (laughs) It took nine Nine years. (laughs) Nine (laughs) years. All right, guys. Talk
1: to you later. Good night. good night
0: everybody thank you for listening to For The Lore if you'd like to hear more from the guys check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince a movie, TV, and anime podcast as well as Lore Watch a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe and if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.